This is Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 475. And the quote of the day is, you can practice eight hours a day, but if your technique is wrong, then all you become is very good at doing it the wrong way. Get the fundamentals down and the level of everything you do will rise. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming and beyond. What's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here, episode 475. I'm just back from Austin, Texas. I went to South by Southwest Festival, which I'm sure most of you know what it is, but it's a two-week event. One week is about technology. It's called the interactive part of it. And then the other half is the music part of it. So there's like hundreds, maybe even thousands of bands playing all over the all over the city and then there's talks and just a lot of really inspiring people and a lot of inspiring conversations that are going on. You get to network with a lot of people. You get to meet a lot of people. So if you haven't been to South by Southwest, I recommend you check it out and try to go next year. It's in Austin, Texas every March and it's not cheap. It's like 1300 bucks for a ticket um, for the whole week. So and it might be a little bit more, a little bit less, something like that. But you have a year in advance now to uh, to plan for it. I definitely recommend. There's like there's so many great bands there, and you know great bands that you've heard of before. Like we saw Joan Jett there, but then other bands that I've never even heard before, like one called Black Pistol Fire, which was amazing. You should check them out. Um, but you just you hear a bunch of new music and you meet a bunch of new people and get experience to things sort of outside of your inner world, which is very amazing. There's a lot of really cool people doing a lot of cool things so i got to sit in on some talks about podcasting and about the the future of the music business and everything so just a very very inspiring thing and uh no this isn't a south by southwest ad but uh, i do recommend you check it out if you get a chance uh so let's get into this episode this is I've been rerunning a couple of these episodes, episodes that I think are extremely important and and extremely valuable. And this is one with Benny Greb, and we talk all about practice. So the title of it is Better Practice, Better Results. And he won, you know, obviously it's Benny Greb. He's an amazing player, but to become an amazing player, you become a great or an amazing practicer. And I get so many questions about practice that I always refer people to this episode. And I think this is one of the best um, sort of approaches and and ways that he talks about it where he's saying like you know we don't we don't feel like we see the progress that we're making uh, but we're actually making progress and he has a lot of great information about just about mindset in practice and how he actually practices himself and how you can do it and things like that so a ton of useful information you may want to grab a notebook and take some notes but I'm not going to waste any more time let's get into it with the amazing Benny Graham. Benny, what's happening, man? Thanks so much for joining us today. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. It is a it is a pleasure. I've had um, a lot of people ask to have you on the show, and I've wanted to have you on the show for a while, so I'm glad we got to, got to link up, and you're definitely an inspiration of mine and an inspiration to a lot of drummers out there. So thank you for oh. being part of this, man. It's really great to have you. Man, thanks. Absolutely. Thanks for the kind intro. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Um, so we were just talking, um, a little bit off air that, um, that you spend most of your time in Germany and some people think that, uh, that you were born in the States and, or some people think that you were born in new Orleans, but you were in fact born in Germany. 
Um, so let's talk about that a little bit about just growing up in Germany and how you got into drumming and, and what some of your influences were as a, as a young player. Oh, um, you want to talk about my sad childhood first? <laughs> yeah, let's, let's start. We're going to, we're going to build, it's going to be a sliding scale. We're going to build it up. <laughs> I see. So we, we make this like a therapy group. All right. <laughs> right. Um, um, so let me, let me begin. Um, I mean, I, I was born in a little village in Bavaria, Germany. And um, when, when I began to, to play the drums, I, I always say I was immediately the best drummer in the village because I was the only one. <laughs> and, uh, and the music scene was uh, really non-existent. Um, and, you know, th- there wasn't any big... Um, like concerts or or music stuff happening. It was, it was just the the local umba band, the brass band, the Bavarian right. umba band, and um, which I played trumpet in at first. And um, yeah, just um, I grew up there as a nerdy kid uh, um, playing drums, uh, watching Star Trek episodes, and um, and practicing my drums and and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, that's basically, that's basically, <laughs> that's basically it. I mean, how, how I started to play drums, I don't really know. I just always thought it is the coolest instrument uh, as far as I can remember. It was just, although I started with, uh, piano lessons and, uh, playing trumpet and I later also played trumpet in orchestras, but, um, I always play, uh, love the drums kind of. Uh, uh, most right from the beginning and wanted to have a drum set and when, when I got a drum set um, my mother wanted to to get me to get some lessons and um, that was a little bit of a disaster because uh, the drum teachers were um, beyond horrible and uh, I mean not only like playing wise but in I mean the first one she went to this, this actually is like therapy when I talk about it now. But, <laughs> but, just um, let it, just let it go, Benny. Let it let all it, out. Let all it right. out. We're here. We're we're all friends here. <laughs> no one's um, judging. <laughs> How do you know? <laughs> no, but um, I'm judging. No, it's. Uh, I mean, to cut the story short, it basically f um um like the introduction to the first drum teacher didn't work that well because he was this umpa band kind of drummer and he uh, he wanted to do the timpani and and uh, glockenspiel thing and and um after my mother said yeah you know he he dances a lot <laughs> he likes stuff that's on the radio and he doesn't like that marimba stuff he likes to play the drums and he wasn't that excited about that and and um he basically said when you have lessons with me, with a very deep voice, the first three years, you will only play the snare drum. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> this is going to be the that worst three the- years of my life. <laughs> right. This is punishment. So, so I was so traumatized that I didn't want to have any lessons for the next six years. So I, I started playing drums, um, self-taught, you could say, and... And just by listening to records, and my brother had a great, um, great taste of music. He listened to a lot of um, 
like US and, and, and English bands and, and I was introduced to stuff like James Brown, Tower of Power and uh, The Police and um, like, yeah, I think most of my music influences, my early music influences really come uh, from my brother and just playing drums till I like, yeah, maybe till I was 12 or something. So you were just playing along with these records and, and kind of getting a feel for what everybody else was playing with these, with these English bands and with the, the um, bands from the States? Yeah. I mean, until I became a teenager and, and started to form my first uh, uh, little, little groups or, or, or first bands, that was, I think, basically it. So what type of practice routine did you have? Or did you have one or were you just playing along with records? I mean, that's, that's it. I, I didn't really, as I define practice nowadays, I didn't practice. I did play. I, I, um, I sat down at the drums and tried out things. I, I think I sometimes had a problem here and there that I then tried to work on, but very um, amateur-like, of course, and very um, unsystematic and uh, very ineffective and time-consuming. So um, it's basically something that I that I totally went the other route with or, or kind of went uh, 180 degrees when, when I um, began to study music that I really figured out I have to change uh, how I work on things and how I uh, approach practicing. So, so back then it was just trial and error and having fun and, and um, uh, yeah. Well, you know, I think that's a lot of people go through that thing. I know I did the same thing for a while. I just, you know, played along with records and and uh, was kind of getting the hang of of how to play and could and could play, you know, but not everything wasn't crisp and clean and and I didn't have the facility that I wanted. And I'm that's it was, I was going to bring up as my next point that someone that plays at the level that you play at, there had to be at some point a turning point or a, you know a time when you flipped the switch and said, okay, I really have to, I want to get serious about this. Um, and I, I kind of have to change the way that I'm approaching playing and the way that I'm practicing and things like that, right? Yeah, because I think it goes to a certain point that way, and then you have to apply some, uh, for the lack of a better, more romantic word, uh, some time management stuff and some really, really planning stuff. And But there's one thing. I, I sometimes thought, man, what would have happened if like I had a great teacher right from the from the start because I played uh, began to play the drums when I was 6 years old um what would have happened you know if someone like uh, would have been a great mentor right from from that point um well that wasn't the case so it's a waste of time to think about it anyway right. <laughs> but the other thing but the other thing that came to mind was the great thing uh, compared to the other instruments that I got lessons in at that time, like the trumpet and the piano, was, um, and maybe also the reason why I liked drums always the most was that no one was telling me when I was that age what was right and wrong. Right. And no one kind of uh, had a say in that. That was always only mine. <laughs> like the drums were my friend. I... I went down uh, to the basement and I just played. 
I just expressed myself in the most hippie-ish, <laughs> unconscious, <laughs> conscious way. And I think it, it, it um, created a very close relationship with me and the drums. That makes sense. Kind of going your own way and, and doing your own thing, which is always, is always good, you know, going against yeah. the grain a little bit. Yeah, I always felt like mine, uh, and the trumpet didn't, you know, if, if, if there were, I could play in orchestras and stuff, but when the, when the, um, when the notes fell down uh, because of a wind, uh, um, uh, wind or something, I couldn't play anymore. I couldn't improvise. Mm. I, I, was, I was not free. It, I couldn't play, basically. I could only repeat or recite what has been written down. So it, it wasn't really me that came through the instrument. It was I, I was a good jukebox, basically, for, for notes written down. But with the drums, I always was me. Right. And, and that, that, I think that was the biggest thing that felt different uh, with this instrument and what this approach gave me, in a sense. Mm-hmm. So now when you talk about, um, we had mentioned about how you started to get really serious about your practicing and time management and things like that. What are some, some things that you did? What are some things that you practiced and how did you manage your time and your practice sessions? Because I know a lot of people out there, they, they write in a lot with, hey, how do you practice? What should I be practicing? How can I, you know, improve my groove and and all these different things? So, what were some things that you did, and also what advice do you have for for people that are listening? Um, unfortunately, that's a, a secret. I can't give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, well, it was great talking to you, Benny. And yeah. We'll, <laughs> great <laughs> interview. We'll talk. <laughs> um, 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 the, the point was when I when I started to uh, to study music. And drums was my main, uh, uh, like the main instrument. You always had to cho- to choose uh, your main instrument. Uh, I moved away from home, and they said then at this, um, I don't know how it's compared to the American system. Maybe it's university-like. I don't know. But in this school, um, they said, all right, now, so this is the schedule right here. Um, you can use the practice room uh, two times two hours a week and you can write your name in whenever you can and blah 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 and this is how you practice the drums and I was like wait a second I always practiced for hours and hours at home which I call practiced which I now play Um, now I'm studying music and I'm only doing this and I should only practice for four hours a week and uh, they were like yeah (laughs) so um, the first time I went into that practice room and like, um, first of all, of course I came 15 minutes late at least. Right. Um, and then I sat down and, <clears throat> uh, adjusted all the gear and, uh, tuned the snare drum a little and, um, looked at the bass drum pedal <coughs> and checked out and found out, oh, I don't have everything with me that I need or oh, whatever and then uh, I, I started to play to get inspired right to, to get some inspiration for what I want to do to get comfortable with the drum kit and, and I just played a little bit and got into the mood uh, and then the door opened in the two hours uh. world <laughs> <laughs> and then I figured out wow uh, uh, and I had a genius idea back then I thought 
you know what? The next time I will go into the practice room, I will think of something to practice before I go into the practice room, <laughs> <laughs> which is planning, basically. Right. You know? um, so this is what I did, and I, and I selected a groove and blah, 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 and then I recorded myself practicing. And this is something I would recommend to anyone, to record your practice time. And, um, and it's like quantum physics. You, you can't watch it or observe it um, without changing it already. Right. Which is also great. I mean, because if you record yourself, uh, at least in the beginning, you'll be very conscious and <laughs> feel a little bit uncomfortable and be super um, effective. And, but that's what happened to me too. So I, I recorded my practice time and I started off well. I uh, had this groove that I wanted to practice, uh, this chili pepper groove back then. And I practiced and practiced and, and I practiced for two hours. And when I came home, I listened to the recording and I almost couldn't believe it because of what I heard was a guy playing the groove for 30 seconds, stopping, silence, <laughs> then starting again, stopping, playing a jazz beat, <laughs> then stopping, playing a twist beat, stopping, playing some double bass, stopping, zip, 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 water bottle, <laughs> you know? right. like all kinds of stuff, phone ringing phone conversation <laughs> and at that moment I was like holy oh man what what am I doing I'm wasting my time and and I was so angry at myself because the first time I realized like how I practiced all those years and um, but, but here's what's good news about it and I think many listeners probably can relate um, it here's what it's the good news. I sometimes have students or sometimes at my master session drum camps, people come to me and say, you know, this is something I've been practicing for three months and nothing changes. Or I've been practicing this for years and there's no improvement. And this is not possible. It's humanly, biologically impossible that nothing changes. If a human right. being focuses on something for a couple of seconds, things change. Their experience changes, the knowledge changes. That you don't feel those changes, um, that is possible. And that is a problem of how you structure your practicing. And whether you help yourself, that you really can measure your progress. And one of the things is that you don't spread your power too thin. Like, uh, focus or limit yourself to three things maximum uh, and work on them for three months. Um, uh, the other thing is practice all the time you practice. Separate playing and practicing. Playing is fine, you know. Mm -hmm. Pulling in, um, uh, putting on a, a CD and just playing to the CD, that's, that's great. I think it's equally as important as practicing. Mm -hmm. But it's important to separate because... And going back to that thing of, oh, three months and nothing changed. If I didn't record that practicing session back then, I went out of the practice room and thought, ah, oh, I practiced for two hours now. And the progress isn't that amazing. Right. <laughs> and that's just how I am, right? I mean, 
you can use things like talent or gifted or all these kind of things. And but when I listened to the recording, I found out, and this is really embarrassing, um, of I mean, on the mini disc, which was the medium back then, the mm-hmm. mini disc there was space for seventy four minutes, and of those seventy four minutes, I practiced the chili pepper screw for seven minutes. <laughs> really, the rest was checking and worshiping gear, <laughs> drinking something, playing something else, phone conversation, playing double bass, uh, playing something else that makes me feel good because I was uncomfortable that I couldn't already do the chili peppers thing. Right, right, right. Because I wasn't prepared for the act of practicing, which is getting in contact with things that you cannot already do. Mm-hmm. Um, and... But again, like the good message is, for two hours, my progress was not good. But for seven minutes, my progress was great. Right. So the question is... So you're like, many- man, I'm getting so much better and I'm only practicing seven minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, the question is how many people out there are judging themselves and being mean to themselves and unfair in judging their talent, their potential, because they think... Oh man, <laughs> I practiced for three hours again and I accomplished nothing. And in reality, the thing that they wanted to accomplish, they maybe only scratched the surface in a couple of minutes or, mm-hmm. or half the time. If it's even only half the time, you're still um, not measuring it uh, correctly. And this is how we measure usually talent when we say one guy goes into the practice room with the same task and same abilities. Uh, person B goes into another practice room with the same task and same abilities and person A gets it done and practices uh, uh, and plays it masterfully and person B uh, can't play it at all. So person A is super talented at the drums because he makes, you know, for him it's a piece of cake, like figuring out the stickings, figuring out the groove. Um, and, And person B obviously didn't make any progress. But this is only if you don't look into the process of practicing itself. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think the word talent is is one of the very harmful things that gets thrown around by by musicians. I think it's a lot about the how um, you, you practice. I get often asked how much I practice or what I practice. But I think the most important thing is how you practice. Right. Now, so I can I can say that maybe I guess it was probably like seven years ago, eight years ago. I kind of had the same realization. I would go into this studio, and I could have it uh, pretty much any time I wanted to. And I would go in there at like nine o'clock at night, and I'd be there till like three, four o'clock in the morning. Right. And then I would leave, think in my head, I'm like, "What the hell did I just do for <laughs> out? Like, I don't even know if did I really practice anything." I'm like. Same thing. I'd play something and then I'm on Facebook on my phone or whatever. You know, like there was uh, there was all kinds of things going on outside of of the actual practice. And I don't think that I saw, you know, I didn't see that many results come out of that. And then after that, I realized, all right, I I really got to, you know, practice more efficiently. So now I just get up, go to my practice facility. I play for a half hour just playing, you know, whatever I want. And then dedicate like an hour and a half to two hours of, okay, every half hour I'm going to work on something new. Yeah. Um, 
I want, but I want to touch on one thing that you said about taking something and practicing that for three months or taking three things and working on that for three months. Um, would you suggest like a wide goal, like practicing playing swing for three months? Or would you say like practice this red hot chili peppers beat for three months? Um, uh, that's a good question. Um, the thing is, um, to get a really great practicing schedule done, you need three things. You need first um, where you want to go because that is your fuel, your goal, what, um, your result that you want to have. Whether it's um, uh, preparing those 10 songs for, um, for the concert where you fill in um, or whether it is um, uh, working on something to, to get your time better but whatever it is, so this is your goal, this is your destination, kind of. Um, the second thing you need is, where are you right now? Because um, maybe if you have a GPS system in your car, it happens to me a lot because I work sometimes in Berlin, and I work in Hamburg, and I drive back and forth, and I know the way home, but I don't know the way to Berlin. So I always get the, uh, I mean, to this, to this location. So I, I type in, uh, the Berlin thing, the GPS finds the way, I go there, blah, blah, blah. I drive home without the GPS and then when I want to type something in in Hamburg and want to find something in Hamburg, I, I type it in and then it tells me, although it's around the corner, um, four hours. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then it needs a couple of minutes and then it tells me, oh, uh, sorry, 10 minutes. Right. And, and it's because the GPS first thinks I'm still in Berlin. And sometimes when we um, kind of try to set our goals in drumming, we sometimes think we are somewhere else than where we are. And that makes um, what you need to get there, uh, that changes what you need to get there and which exercises maybe apply and which is the next exercise. So. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So, so, so I think you have to assess where you are with your abilities. You have to know where you go, and then only you know what is the next step that is that makes really sense. And the next step has to be something that is within reach, but a little bit of a challenge. And um, some things are uh, too far out of reach, and then you lose the drive, you lose the fuel. Um, and some things are just too easy. Uh, so I would just say what I do is I always make check recordings. That's how I call them. It's little exams that I do for myself. It's a little schizophrenic, but I, I, I set out, I set out three specific things that I want to practice. I, I formulate them super specific. Um, so I set those goals. They have to be, uh, written out in a smart formula. That's how it's called. S for specific, M for measurable, A for actionable, R for realistic, and T for time-bound. So this is the checklist that my goals have to uh, kind of run through. So, for example, um, uh, becoming a groove drummer is not a very specific Goal. Right. Because you can never say, yep, 
done that or, right. or, or it's just like and that's what I meant before if you can't measure your progress it's also frustrating and if, if if you really have some things that you can check off and say wow yes done that's when you when you keep motivated I think discipline becomes obsolete if you really show yourself all the little steps of progress mm-hmm you you just want to go on then sure so anyway so so i i um, write down these goals very specific very time bound with a deadline with what it is exactly and um in all three areas so like three goals like that and then i practice them and then i always record myself um uh after i practice them so after every one of these I, for example i practice for 10 minutes uh, something with the hands, some coordination stuff where I practice 10 minutes, a uh, certain groove feel that I want to become better at and I have certain characteristics that I want to work on and afterwards when I'm done, so I don't record the whole half hour that I practice it, but afterwards I just record it for five minutes and then, or, or one minute maybe mm-hmm. and then that's it. I do the next subject, I work on it and then before I finish, I just record that for half a minute or something like that. And then I go home. The next time, um, I do the same thing. I compare those. And that's, for example, a cool thing because when you then, after three months, um, I, have to, I have to do this exam. So I kind of make a recording, like a test, where I try to perform the tasks that I give myself the best I can and make a recording of it. This can be um, like I do it in my studio or it can be with an iPhone. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It's just that you have to <laughs> here's what I basically want to have. And this is the greatest thing. Do you know these um, these dietary pills or, or these commercials for <laughs> for for um, when when you have like a fat guy on the left and then <laughs> like, the like and looking, after. looking totally miserable on purpose <laughs> yeah. and, and his hair is totally off. And then on the right, you have this uh, slim guy like styled uh, and, and, and with a tan and everything. Yeah, so yeah. this before and after, I want to have that after every practicing session, but especially after three months. I got you. And I want to have those moments so I really know what I'm doing, why I'm doing it. I get reminded of that then. Oh, well. Because I often have this thing where like, oh, man, I accomplished nothing today. Mm-hmm. And then this recording proves me wrong in a good way. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. I'm, I may be not at, at my goal, but I'm making progress. And right. this is what's very hard for us, I think, to acknowledge progress that is not already there. And... If you're like me, or I, th- I think most things on the drums are not things that, I mean, most things worthwhile practicing are not things that you can get done in 10 minutes. Sure, sure, and, I agree. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of that, um, speaking about the motivation and the uh, um, 
the smart goals and everything. I, I actually did a podcast um, a couple weeks ago on the same thing about staying motivated and taking these, these small wins every single day to build up to this, to this big thing. So if anybody out there that's listening to this interview, if they want to check that out, it's at drummersresource.com forward slash session 49. And uh, it talks about, you know, all the things that, that Benny was just talking about and goes a little bit more in detail about it as well. Um, if you're interested in checking that out, um, I want to switch. That's great. Yeah, man. There's it's, so much, there's so much stuff out of what you have to practice <laughs> right? till it comes out of your ears, but there's not that much information out of how, uh, uh to deal with all that stuff and how to, to, um, get it into bite-sized uh, pieces. So that is super important. It is. And my, you know, my big thing is that, if you're to say this goal is going to take you three years to get there, well, yeah. those three years are going to pass either way. Mm. You know? So you might as well be working on working on this goal. Um, right. So it makes it seem like it's not, it's, it's not going to take you three years to, I mean, it'll, it's going to take you three years to get there, but you know, three years is coming anyway. You know? Right. So who cares if you wait three years, it's still going to be three years away. So, right. So if you're looking to get a new kit, you have two options. One, you can check out some pictures online. You can go to the store. You can see what they have there. You can drive to another store. You can find a couple more models and you can drive yourself insane driving all over the place trying to see what the kit that you want looks like. Or you can design yourself the perfect sonar kit using their SQ2 drum configurator. And this configurator allows you to build a kit from scratch, or you can use some of their predetermined configurations and then just modify them. But you can modify everything, the sizes, the configuration, the hardware, the color, all of that stuff. And you can make it to your exact specifications. Not only that, you can get an overhead view, you can get a 3D image of it. All of that is all built into the drum configurator. To build your dream sonar kit, go to sq 2 dash drumsystem.com or just google sonar sq2 you'll find it check it out the sonar drum configurator all right let's get back into it with benny grab uh so i wanted to switch gears a little bit um i want to touch on the the language of drumming stuff that you came out with um because i know you have another dvd coming out that i definitely want to get into because i'm really excited about that but cool. let's talk a little bit about the language of drumming and if you could give the listeners a little idea of of what it is and and what the benefits are of it. Uh, cool. So so the language of drumming is a, done uh, with Hudson music at the time and and it's basically um, um, a system that that deals with um, kind of getting little um, puzzle pieces, preparing little puzzle pieces that then can be put together into, um, I mean, not being very humble about it, but being put together into everything if you want to. <laughs> so right. it's, um, um, it's a little bit um, stolen from the Indian rhythm system, which is very advanced, and it's kind of Western, Westernized in, in a sense that's very practical and uh, uh, usable right away. And it basically... Uh, goes away from the from the notion to say you have to learn this standard rhythm, this standard rhythm, this different style, that's different style, or these certain rudiments or something. But it really goes into the DNA of what what are these little DNA pieces 
that that everything consists of and and kind of the the thought of it is or what what i what helped me a lot um uh, um like practicing this myself is that when you practice those things and you learn those separately and then putting them together in the exercises that follow you will gain a freedom that is um beyond playing a four bar phrase that you practiced or a certain lick that you practiced uh, but it's something where you think at a at a jam session or when you're improvising i want to try that and then you try it and then holy moly it works you know right. so where, where you try it out and basically wow without knowing your hands have practiced this kind of movement or this kind of uh, combination or sticking before because it's basically everything that there is and um so so that that is the idea behind it that you kind of equip yourself uh to or or your muscle memory to to then um facilitate whatever ideas you have and now it's been out for a couple of years and and um what what students tell me about it it it, it seems to work and it works for me very well hmm And I honestly, I've never, I've heard of the DVD. I've watched, um, you know, the trailer on it and everything, but I've never actually seen the DVD. What? And, uh, <laughs> no, I haven't. And you know what? I'm, I'm going to now. <laughs> I really, I, uh, I've been interested in it. And, and Johnny Ravis told me a lot about it too. Um, I talked to him a lot and he's, oh, cool. and he, uh, speaks very highly well of you and obviously the, the DVD and stuff. Um, so I'm gonna have to get my, get myself a copy of that. And cool. the new DVD that you have coming out is something that that is really cool and and it kind of like it hits home for me because I love the aspect of groove and I love um, just different ways of of working on groove and things like that. Um, so you have this new DVD coming out, the art and science of groove, and right now right. it's in I guess pre production. Right, you have a Indiegogo campaign for that right now. Yeah, and. So tell us about this DVD. Uh, I watched the trailer on the Indiegogo website, and I'll link to that on the show notes page for this. It'll be drummersresource.com forward slash session 51. It'll have all the info on there. But tell us about this, about this DVD. Yeah, first of all, yeah, everyone has to go there and, and support because we're off to a good start, but we're still far from, from reaching our goals. So um, I really want to make sure that I can at all make the DVD, so I need everyone's help. Um, but, um, the DVD is basically about, um, I mean, my mission in this is really to destroy the, the myth that uh, groove and time playing, uh, can't be learned, that it is a gift or it is something that you either have or, or not, you know, and if it's either you have it or you don't, then, um, I have to say I didn't have it. You know, I, I have. Uh, I didn't when I started to play the drums. I didn't groove, and my time was bad. And I have the recordings to prove it. <laughs> and <laughs> and, uh, and um, I always find it a little bit uh, lazy from an educational standpoint to then say, um, "Well, you know, uh, you, you gotta just play, and with experience, it will come." It's it's a it's a subject that hasn't been explored enough, uh, especially if we compare it to to um, stuff that's maybe easier to explain like stickings and rudiments and uh, coordination stuff so it's, it's it is something that 
that also in, is sometimes a little bit um, explained esoterically, uh, and I also don't want to go into that. So it's it's really something um, where I can really say from my own experience and from experience with students, I came up with a couple of exercises that helped me tremendously that um, go much deeper than only playing to a quarter note click or only playing to James Brown uh, tunes for hours and then someday you will get it. It's it's a little bit more specific than that and I think it, um, it's just something that, it's a DVD that I always wanted someone to make but um, uh, never was made so so I, I'll, I'll give it my best shot now. And you know the with groove, it's such like you said, it's this esoteric thing. It's it's such an intangible that you know it's not a sticking thing. It's not um, you can't just say okay, well I'm going to play right, left, right, right at 150 beats a minute, and you know then then now you have groove. Um, yeah. So what what's your what is your uh, your thoughts on it? What is your what is your approach to groove? Without giving away, I don't want to give away you know everything in the no, DVD. No, it's, it's but, fine. Um, yeah, first of all, I agree because groove is one of these things that, which is a how thing again. It's not a what you do or what style you play. It's it's a quality that that um, is either there in anything you play or or it's not, and um, or or more or less in in certain uh, cases. Then or in certain fields, you maybe can convey it more uh, than in others, um, and this is why I think the language of drumming was so successful, that is also a kind of a how thing. You, you can use it for anything. It's not limited to a style or, or a level of playing. It's just beneficial to whatever you want to apply it to. And this will be a thing like that as well, where I think anyone can do these things and, and uh, become better at it. So um, I, I think it basically has a couple of components. The, the first component is what I would call time, which is, um, which is really the, 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 um, like where are the notes placed mm-hmm. and how do you become better at playing them accurately where you want to place them. Um, it, it doesn't say that it's great when they are, are placed like a computer. It just, they are just exercises that will help you to execute them uh, exactly because sometimes um, people want to play uh, um, exact time, but like it's just not synchronized between their hands and their brain. It's it's just something that they're not that used to. And and frankly, I think it, um, a quarter note click is not the best exercise for it. I mean, a gap click, for example, is great for tempo. Um, mm-hmm. um, if you only have a quarter note click to practice tempo, it's it's the wrong tool. Um, to practice tempo, you need a click that uh, pauses every once in a while to get you that free uh, f- floating experience and right. then kind of to see whether you're still on when it comes in. And, and um, otherwise, you will never have that authority yourself. And this is another thing that's emotionally very important with time that you kind of are the captain in driving this and it has to be, sen- uh, you sense that. If someone really feels like he's in charge and, it doesn't have to do anything with dynamic or playing loud. It's something that you can do with a very soft groove, but you have to be, uh, you have to have a certain authority about placing those strokes. And there are a couple of exercises for that. Um, 
so so the timing thing, which is like tempo, subdivision, all these kind of things. Um, then there is everything like the physical world. So everything that your body does, what can you do to make your machine that executes all of that um, uh, really fit for that? So exercises about even breathing exercises to, to become better at playing phrases. Um, uh, exercises how you can keep body tension in rests because some people use all, uh, lose all their body tension when there is a rest in the music. They really use it as a rest, but <laughs> but a rest is not nothing. It's just silence, right? And that is super important when you play time because the time doesn't stop. Why do you stop being in that same emotion physically? And uh, if you not stay in the same body tension when when there is a bar of rest before you come back in, there is there is no chance if you jump start your machine again on that next bar that it ha will have the same exact feel than when you stopped. So, so these kind of things that really deal with your body and your, your, your physical thing. Then there's the mind, which um, really is about how you think about groove. And all um, there are a couple of things that you can do uh, to change your thinking and your approach to time that shows immediately in uh, what you play and how you play. Um, for example, um, when I call people at a drum clinic out uh, of a crowd of like 200 people and say, hey, come on stage, play three bars of groove and play one bar of fill, what 99% of all drummers will do is play a groove with two and four on the snare and in the fourth bar play a fill over the tom-toms and end with a crash. So right. if you then, you just have to replace sentences with an explanation mark with a question mark to get totally new ideas and change their way of playing without telling them that they have to play something different. For example, if you then ask, does a fill, is it necessary that you use tom-toms in every fill? And then you think for a while and say, play again. Then that guy will play a fill that he will, that he maybe never played before, hmm. only because he said, "Oh, I don't want to use the tom toms." Another thing is, um, does a fill have to be louder than the groove before? Hmm. <laughs> right. Or or does a fill have to use more notes, more subdivision than the groove before? And all of these things are just mindset. I don't, and anyone will play different things afterwards just by thinking differently, which shows how important the mind is when playing. They, they will play different things. They don't have to practice anything in between. They don't have to learn or read other notes. They just think different and by that play something completely different. And hmm. so this is why the mind is so powerful. And I have a couple of exercises that really change the mindset in terms of time and groove. Um, and there's the sound aspect. Um, uh, and yeah, to cut the story short, there's the sound aspect and then there is um, uh, um, 
context and musicality, which kind of basically packs everything together. So we have like this diagram that where we go through all these different skills, mm-hmm. and it goes back to the premise that says, you know, it's it's not talent, it's not uh, a gift, <laughs> it's basically a combination of learnable skills. That's what like groove is a result of. Um, mastering certain certain skills and if they all play together that's when you um, can groove with like almost anything or anything that you play mm-hmm. and I think that that is one thing that's really really hard for for people to get is you know they have all these chops and they can play all these different styles and all this stuff but you know if you hear if you hear me play a just an eighth note groove two and four on the snare and then you hear steve gad play it it's going to sound completely different yeah Um, and even though we're playing the same exact notes and everything and you know that's a it's a hard thing for people to grasp i think of you know making it feel good making it sound good making it you know sonically and and also just like the the entire feeling of it and so i like that you're putting this dvd together to to kind of navigate those waters because it's such a it's such a uh, um, an odd thing to try to wrap your brain around, you know. Yeah, and it's it's not an easy to explain subject. That's why I need the DVD format. You know, I uh, I mean, let's be honest. It's it's an old format, and um, it would have been much easier to say I'll do three minute online lessons, and you know, but it's it's I need that format because I want to go deep and get the whole thing across and that's why it's just the most suitable medium for it to have this full length uh, film format for it Be- because um, to go full circle it, it takes it takes a while and, and I, I really have to be uh, clever and also the way how, how I present it and I basically thought about it now for and working on it the last like actually I had the idea before I did the language of drumming but I wasn't ready back then I, I needed to do a little bit more like research myself and, mm-hmm. and 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 testing it on on guinea pigs on on <laughs> workshops like on on uh, students and but now I think I've really found uh, exercises that are very effective and and uh, maybe a little bit surprising to a couple of people and and I also like you said like, like if if you watch you or another drummer. Um, or listen to you or another drummer play the same beat, it sounds different. That's another thing where I want to uh, make people better diagnosis. So they can, if they like something better, what another drummer does, or if they hear something and they think like, or they hear themselves and think, ah, why doesn't it you know, feel right? Or why doesn't it have the same impact? I want them to be um, able to know why that is. And then... Go uh, go find immediately. Like okay, then this is what I have to do, and this will help me. So after a month, this is done or whatever. It depends of how good and efficient you practice on it. <laughs> but <Right. laughs> it's it's um so, because this is super important. If you don't know what it is that's not working or that you want different, of course you can't find a solution for it. So every chapter always starts with kind of what is it how can you like how does it sound what what difference does it make in sound and then a specific exercise is what you can do about it if if 
you know this phenomenon or if you want to work on it or so yeah i'm looking I'm, forward to that i'm sold man i'm sold i'm yeah. uh, i'm excited for it to come out i'm going to go onto this to the indiegogo campaign and and donate some money to it man to keep the keep the cause moving because i it's something that i really uh feel strongly about and i think that there is not enough information out there about feeling and groove and you know and playing musically so uh so I'm sold. And <laughs> Thanks, man. It's funny, man. Speaking of of grooving, um, you've had this this video up on YouTube for years. Uh, that video just grooving, and wow. it's you going yeah. through all the. I'm gonna play this this one groove because this is my. I've I've actually listened to this groove a million times, and I tried to figure it out, and I still can't figure it out. So I'm gonna ask you <laughs> okay. about it. So that grew. <laughs> so I got it, like that, has, that has been ages ago. <laughs> I know. I love man. I've been listening to that groove for like for years. I, I just I really love that groove. It's just like it has just the fluidity of it and everything. And I'm I'm always trying to figure out once you come off the ride what you're doing with your right hand. And I don't know if you know oh, or. Uh. Oh man. Uh. Oh man. I mean that was that was maybe that was one jam 7 years ago or something. Right, right, right. I know. <laughs> uh, but I just as I remember when I remember correctly, I think one of the things that's maybe uh, confusing is that basically it's it's eighth notes. Sorry, it's eighth notes on the right uh, on the right hand. Mm-hmm. But always between right cymbal and snare. So the so the right hand goes ding dot ding dot ding, ding and that's what I couldn't. That's what I was wondering. I th- I thought that's what it was, and I couldn't tell if you were if you were playing like a diddle with the right hand when it hit the snare and then back up or what. And I was yeah. just like, so. But it's just it's just straight eights back and forth. Ah, now it gets mean. So <laughs> I think sometimes sometimes when I hit the snare, it's a double stroke. So instead of ding dot ding dot, you have ding dot ding dot da, ding dot. Think something like that, right? And and that in combination with the offbeat of the left hand, you sometimes get the instead of right. Can you hear that? Yeah, yeah, I can. Okay, see that's that's exciting. We have a live uh, table playing here. There you go. Now, <laughs> um, uh, let me see. So that's the right hand, right? Like that being the symbol. (laughs) (laughs) Right and left hand is one, two, three, four. So two, ah, two, uh, ah, four, uh, uh, four. Sorry, I even said the four incorrectly now. But, um, So I think that that is maybe the the confusing thing that sometimes it's 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 two strokes on the right hand when it hits the snare. Okay, um, just like a diddle I, on. The, okay, and then back. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I hope. <laughs> I you hope sneaky, sneaky man. Yeah. <laughs> 
I didn't do it on purpose to fool anyone. That's all, that's <laughs> and all I, would, I can say in my defense. And I was like, I could get it close, but I was like, is he, what is he playing? I knew, and I knew that it was just, you know, eights going back and forth, but I was like, is he playing like, is he playing a diddle or is he just ghosting the right hand on the snare or whatever? So I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to be talking to him today. I got to at least ask him about this group. So, and that was the first for the drummer's resource. We had a little, a little, uh, drum set table playing, which was, <laughs> yeah. it's a first. So yeah, the German <laughs> bastard, Yeah, <laughs> man, what, 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 what was he doing? German bastard. <laughs> There's actually another drummer in the background playing as well that you can't hear on the video. <laughs> So that's why you can't figure it out. There's two drummers, but you, the, I'm right. only showing one. <laughs> so, Man, like, like with the with Copeland, the police stuff, I sometimes practice that stuff so hard till I later found out that some of the, like some of the bells and some of the Hyatt stuff were overdubs. Oh, and you're like, man. Oh, man. <laughs> I almost killed myself trying to play that all at once. That's at least what I can say. There, there were no overdubs. It's all it's all played live. It's no, it's cool. That's a if, for those of you who haven't seen it. Just go to YouTube. It's called. Uh, it's just called Just Grooving, right? Just yeah, type in so Benny grab Just Grooving, and, and Benny goes through a bunch of different different grooves, and it's really cool. It's all video, right? It's like seven or eight years old, but uh, yeah, but it's great, man. Some killer grooves in there. Thank you. Yeah, man. So we we were talking about this the new DVD that you have coming out and you're you're really busy with that but you're also really busy with your band moving parts and we were just talking off air about how you just recorded a new record so tell us about the new record that you got coming out right so we recorded last week just uh, um, uh, our first album and um, um, we this is a band I formed uh, roughly a year ago. There are also like two little YouTube videos out, and it's with two English gentlemen called uh, the one is, is uh, Kit Downs on keyboard, and uh, he also plays synth bass at the same time. He's one of those organ guys who can do it, and um, and Chris Montague on guitar, and they're both from London, and we have this nice trio that is um, yeah plays my music, and now we start to write. Um, more in in a group uh, way, in a group fashion. But the first songs were were all mine, and I'm kind of the band leader. And um, yeah, I'm really excited because so far we we played a couple of jazz festivals, or were invited to a couple of jazz festivals, and that even without having an album out or or having nothing uh, recorded. So that was already great. And now. Uh, um, we recorded this album. It will come out uh, latest in November, I think, October, so something like that. And uh, then we will go on a two weeks tour uh, in Germany, and then we'll take it from there. Awesome. Do you have any plans on coming to the States with it? <sighs> That's always the thing. Yeah, it's, it's hard to, to book gigs in the US uh, from Germany. It's, it's really something where I would need a promoter. Mm -hmm. There and first of all, I wanted to conquer uh, home ground, sure. <laughs> and then sure. kind of expand from there. So it's it's definitely in our plans, and we talked about it a lot that we have to do it. Um, um, I will have one of my drum camps in New York beginning of next year, and we thought maybe to to play a couple of gigs after that, but there's nothing that I can say so far about it. I, I can just say that I would love to do it, and. Um, um, definitely will work on it. Nice. So you said that, uh, 
you're going to have a drum camp in New York next year? I'm planning on it. It's also not totally confirmed, but but um, I already did that two years ago um, uh, up in uh, the Catskills, mm-hmm. and um, that's that went really well. Was sold out pretty pretty fast, and we had a great great time. And I just love New York anyway, and I just want to go there whenever I can. So um, I think it will, yeah, it will probably happen around March. But but I will put it up on the website uh, uh, as soon as I have everything figured out. Well, anytime you're here, man. Anytime you're in the city, let me know, and I'll I'll take you out to lunch or something. Definitely. <laughs> great. So this, I guess the record, you're going to have it on iTunes and it'll be, you know, online and everybody can get it through the, through the outlets, right? Right, right. Awesome. I mean, definitely on my website, but I will also, I mean, I'll definitely make sure to to put it out on my Twitter and and my Facebook. And then once it's out, I'll I'll let everybody, let everybody know on Drummer's Resource that it's out as well, as long, I mean, as well as the, uh, the new DVD and everything, so... Oh yeah, please. I definitely will. So what advice do you have? Um, if you could give upcoming drummers one piece of advice, uh, what, what would it be? Oh, don't let anyone give you any advice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, just do what you love and, and, and believe in yourself. And, and, um, I mean, all this stuff about uh, practice or work hard. I think if you if you really do what you love and, and believe in yourself, um, that that comes automatically. I mean, you if if you focus on what what you love, and you, you will find out that some things are maybe necessary, or you have to get better at, at something. Or, but um, I think. A lot of the advice that's out in the industry, what you have to do or supposedly have to do, is sometimes more harmful than than it does any good. Because um, I began to love jazz when when uh, when nobody told me that this is what I have to do to become a good drummer. I I just loved it because I was exposed to it in a nice way and and. Um, I think it it should be a very natural thing. Sorry, I'm already holding a monologue again. You only asked me for one thing. <laughs> hey man, that's what we're here for. We're here to. Uh, <laughs> I'm here to turn on the recorder and and let you talk. So, <laughs> no, I mean, I I, I really don't. I, I would say use your time wisely. That's another thing. And what whatever you want to, whatever you think that is, but. Um, I think the biggest regret you could have or anyone could have is to just say, man, I wasted my time with stuff that I didn't want to do. Right, right. And I think, you know, a lot of people will look at a player like you and say, man, there's no way I can get to that level or there's no way that that uh, that I can be that good. And I guess that what you're saying is you can as long as you you're willing to put in the work and and the time and dedicate yourself to to the craft. And I have something that's even better <laughs> because if if I always thought I wanted to be Stuart Copeland mm-hmm. uh, when I grew up, I, I wanted 
to play exactly like him. I tried to practice all that shit, and I uh, sorry for the language, but um, no, that's fine. That you've been the <laughs> you've been the most uh, PG person I've had on here. So <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, You're like, this me. changes everything. I could have been cursing up the storm the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is a New York podcast, so it's okay, I guess. Right. <laughs> um, no, um, and, and I always thought this is what will get me the, you know, the, the respect and the love and, 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 the, uh, and the happiness if, if I really work on that. And then I had to do a Stuart Copeland exorcism because um, I found out that it just didn't work in the bands I was doing and in, in the way I was playing. It, it just uh, wasn't me, although I still love him to death and I, and, uh, and I love what, what he did to, to, to the music. And then I went my own way and tried to find out hard what I wanted. Um, and a couple of years later, I was hired by Stuart Copeland to play on his music. Really? And... And it was it was the most surreal experience to play something on the drums. It was an orchestral chart, uh, like because he does like film music and stuff like that mm -hmm. now. And he produced the album, and he he wrote uh, I mean the album, he, the the score, and he and uh, he he written and and produced everything. And to play all uh, in the studio and be finished with your take, and afterwards hear Stuart Copeland say on your headphones that was great drumming man <laughs> that was just that's the gotta best, be yeah. the best experience of my life because he was he is still like my hero and 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 he was definitely my 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 childhood hero and and so coming back to your story i think if people focus on uh on what they want to do and become good at what they want to do they will not only or they will not become me but they will do something that I respect and mm -hmm. that I will respect them for. And it's super cool to not become your idol, but to become something that your idol thinks is awesome. Right. <laughs> and, and that's what I learned when I played for Stuart Copeland that like I did some stuff where he was like, Oh, well, that's cool. And that, that was, that was the ultimate, like to, to, um, so, so I think everyone has to be himself. But of course, I mean, you have to get inspired and stuff. Mm -hmm. I, think that's, I think that's really good advice, man. I think that uh, a lot of people, you know, try to be somebody, somebody else when they just need to be themselves. It's like you don't want to be the next person. You know, you want to be the first you. So I think that's great advice. And especially in the drum community, I think, you I mean, you see jazz guys hanging out with heavy metal guys and you see like it's 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 really there's so much respect for for whatever like personality of or, or, or style you 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 want to do it and if you really want to become one of like the guys um uh, i think it's just do something that that those guys will respect and it's definitely not being another dave weckel or being another benny greb or i mean i'd rather be another Fickle than another Benny Graham, to be honest, <laughs> but but because I think he plays awesome. But um, um, yeah, I think I made my point. 
Well, I think that you play awesome, and so does everybody else listening. So uh, I appreciate the humbleness, but you're you're a great player, man, and I don't think that you need to hear that from me. But uh, oh, but, thanks. But you're you're definitely well respected and uh, a, an amazing player, and I'm so glad that you that you took some time out today to chat with us. And I know that that the listeners got a lot out of it. And uh, I just want to encourage people to definitely check out your website, check out your Indiegogo campaign um, for your new DVD, check out your master sessions, drum camps that you have, um, you know, the, the, the moving parts CD that's coming out. And I'm going to list all this stuff. Like I said, at drummersresource.com forward slash session 51. So people can go and find out all this information that you have, that you're adding uh, to the drum community that we sincerely appreciate. So Benny, Again, thank you so much for joining us today, man. It was it was really a pleasure to have you. Awesome, thank you. Absolutely, and uh, I'll be talking to you soon. Bye bye. All right, thanks, Benny. So there you have it, the one and only Benny Greb. Again, we recorded this a while back, but I, I thought this was such an important episode to re-release because it's sort of buried in the archives. It's uh, you know, it's almost. I don't know, it's a couple years old, and but the information is timeless, and the information is something that I get asked about a lot. I always get asked about practicing, and I thought, who better to talk about practicing than Benny Greb, who is notorious for for being a great practicer and obviously a great player. And hey, check it out. Um, I want to let you know that Daniel Glass and I are working on a really cool project, and we're going to be e- emailing people about all of the all of the stuff that we have going on. So if you haven't signed up for the email list, just do yourself a favor. Go to drummersresource.com, sign up. You get a copy of my ebook, Stick Control Variations. You get that for free. And I don't send out a ton of spam email, or I don't send out any spam emails, but I don't send out a ton of emails. Um, I only send out one every Friday that's sort of like just the wrap-up of the week of the things that we released and then any timely information or anything that that I really want you to know about but I'm not not going to be like bombarding you with uh with email so do that at drummersresource.com and until the next podcast keep drumming thank you so much for listening and I will be talking to you soon peace